<clears throat> All right, let's recap what went down tonight, uh, and especially in the main event. We had uh, Gilbert Burns, man, uh, great performance by him. Going out, he got himself a, uh, a dominant decision win over Tyron Woodley, 50-44 to fi- uh, on two cards, 50-45 on one of them. I agree with the 50-44. I thought 10-8 uh, in the first round was pretty obvious. I think there was even an arguable other 10-8s there. Um, but, man, Gilbert Burns uh, really announcing his presence with authority in the welterweight division and not really a scratch on him, man. Not really a big moment for Tyron, uh, which was tough to see. And, you know, I think DC said it well to Michael Bisbing in the midst of the fight. Like, you don't want to go into this and just talk about how poor Woodley looked. You got to acknowledge that the reason he looked that poor is because Gilbert Burns looked that fantastic. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, we, at, at the least, at the least out of last night, what we have is another contender at 170 pounds. I guess the question really becomes with Gilbert is, do we have the contender at 170 pounds? And there was a lot of debate with this. We was going back and forth with some people on social media. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I thought that with the, just, just the pulse and the temperature of what you're hearing with um, Kamar Usman and Jorge Masvidal not having a fight agreed to yet, um, though with all this time, basically since we're talking the Super Bowl, that Dana White has said that that's the fight that he wants to make and that it hasn't been agreed to. There hasn't been a date set. We're now officially in June. Uh, and when are we going to get those guys in a cage? It doesn't seem like it's close. Uh, Masvidal starting to 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 linger and start talking about Nate Diaz again. So, yeah, I I think what Gilbert did yesterday, if anything, is he put himself in this position where he is definitely in line to swoop in and get a title shot. I think his resume is good enough now uh, with the wins that he has at 170 pounds, putting a beating like that on the former world champion, basically equaling the performance of what Camaro did it's just that there wasn't a belt on the line um that's a good enough that's a good enough resume to get a title shot it is it's not the resume I feel like I think Masvidal has that right now between the star power between uh the sensational knockouts that he's had between all of that stuff um with the rivalry between him and and Camaro it's going to be if you're going to tell me what's a easier sell two guys who hate each other two guys that are teammates and certainly respect each other um it's not even a question i mean you're going to go with with Usman versus Masvidal but look there was a big theme again tonight in the uh, the post fight press conference by Dana White talking about the money issues talking about you know their idea to keep rolling on and I do think that if you have a situation where uh, Usman or Endor Masvidal is trying to uh, bite off a little bit more than they can chew, and by the way, I just want to put this out there, not something uh, not uh, that I don't understand what they're trying to do. I want these guys to get as much money as possible. I'm just trying to speak of this from the UFC's perspective of if I feel like these guys are going at it too much, especially from Masvidal's standpoint, if he's demanding too much to fight Kamara Usman because they feel like they're the bigger star, even though they're not the title holder. Um, I definitely think that Gilbert Burns put himself in a position where he could swoop in 
after the night's win and get himself a title shot. I really do. Uh, I saw some arguments um, from some prominent people, Ariel Helwani saying Leon Edwards. How does Leon Edwards with eight straight wins not jump right in there to get uh, a, a fight against uh, Kamara Usman? I, I think the answer to that is simple. Like, give me the give me the res give me the win, give me the resume. Give me the moment from Leon Edwards that really sticks out. And you're just like, that guy's a title. That guy is a contender for the title. Um, if you look at that resume, it's just it just doesn't have it right now. I mean, you're going to say Dos Anjos, you know, he's been kind of the perennial gatekeeper, if you will, for the division. He was for uh, Usman. He was for Colby. So he, he has been that. Uh, do you want to say it's Donald Cerrone? I think certainly people feel like, that's a that's a win that is first of all a while ago and second of all I just don't think it has the same um, cachet that it did. I just think that yeah he has eight straight wins, but you're you're in a, a a pile right now with a bunch of people who are deserving and I don't think that he necessarily has. It, look, he had the opportunity to fight uh, Woodley. It's a different story. He didn't. I mean, it's a pandemic. It's out of his hands. But that. You know, as as uh, Leroy will tell you, one of my favorites in them's the breaks. Like it sucks that he didn't get the opportunity to fight Tyron Willie to put himself in position to fight for the title. But don't tell me that a guy uh, was going to fight Tyron Woodley for what was likely a title shot. Whoever won that fight, and he didn't because of a global pandemic. Somebody else stepped in won that fight in as dominant a fashion as you could win it, and that guy doesn't deserve the credit that you get to have credit for just standing on the sidelines while there's other contenders. So, no, I, I to me, Leon Edwards has eight wins. That's great. That's fantastic. Good for him. Um, but, you know, if you're going to really dust up the the playbook and look at the four straight wins, like let's just put it four for four, um, I just I don't know how you can say right now that you think Leon deserves a shot over Gilbert. I, I just think that's silly. I think I think that's I think that's silly talk. And on top of the fact that he's lost to Usman already. So if anything, I think that uh the way I would go with it ideally is if, if everything shook out the way it should shake out at 170, it should go it should go Usman versus Masvidal for the championship. Gilbert versus Colby, number one contendership, next title fight. And I think that could shake out a lot of good ways if Gilbert wins. Um, I think him versus whoever wins the title fight's a good fight. Cool story of him taking on a teammate. Uh, him versus Mosfield is a fun fight. Um, if Colby ends up winning, Colby versus either one of the winners of Usman versus Mosfield is a fantastic matchup. And I think for Leon... I would, this is going to probably depend on what is going to happen with Tyron, but I almost would put him in a position where I would try and run back the Tyron Woodley fight with him. And, unfor- you know, Tyron gets a chance to beat yet again another young contender, which would put him back in line, back in the top five again, back in back in the title hunt. And then if Leon wins, then yeah, Tyron becomes kind of the ultimate gatekeeper. I don't think it has as much weight beating him because you would become kind of the third guy to do it in a row, almost like a Dos Anjos, but it's still a credible win. I just think that for right now, he's on the outside looking in. That's it right now. I mean, that's just, to me, to me, that's, that's just that. And he should leapfrog Leon Edwards and the rankings should probably look something like 
you know, number one's going to be either Colby or George. I'm say, you know, Gilbert should probably vault into the top three, I would say, over Leon Edwards. And then, you know, maybe have Tyron Woodley fall to five and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson goes down. That's probably where the rankings will be uh, come next week. Um, but great performance by Gilbert, man. It's been uh, an incredible, incredible showing for him. He is, uh, he is, he is fantastic. So, um, a really, really great performance. I think that he is one. He is, he is a, a shown himself now. Like the wins that he's had, and don't forget also that he called out. Um, he called out Kobe Covington after his knockout of Damian Maya, which was another impressive win over all this kind of pandemic. Um, and he says that he's willing to fight, and he's not really hurt either uh, over that uh, over that that whole uh, that whole stretch. So if he could have that quick turnaround, I definitely think that he's the parachute move. If if they go in next week, and Dana said it didn't really give a lot of clarity of it in the post fight press conference. He said um, we're going to have our fighter meeting on Tuesday or our matchmaker meeting on. Tuesday um I think that if they can't come to an agreement with Kamaro versus George that we're gonna end up with uh with uh with Gilbert Burns fighting for the belt I think that's what because I don't think it's gonna be Colby I I, I just I think because I think Colby's gonna do a lot of the stuff that Woodley's doing with the negotiations um and I just don't think that I don't think immediate rematch is the place he should go I just don't you know like I I I don't. It was a great fight between him and, and and Usman, but I don't feel like after getting stopped late in that fight, I don't feel like he gets an immediate rematch. I feel like he's on the cusp. I don't think he has to do much. I, I just think he needs another win to get back into that conversation. And I certainly would be happy to see him versus Usman again. But I not. I'm not dying to see it more than I am see him versus Masvidal or see a fresh matchup against somebody like Gilbert Burns. That's just what I feel about, and and certainly not Leon Edwards. I don't know, you know. I, I just think that Leon is is still in that position where he needs to, he needs to do what Gilbert's doing, which is kind of like introduce yourself to the masses, come and get yourself a a, a big time win. Because right now, honestly, here's the here's the unfortunate thing for Leon is right now he's mostly known for the guy who took the three piece in the soda, and that's just the facts. Like he's known as the guy who was talking trash to, to Jorge Masvidal and got punched backstage. That's it. And, and that's unfortunate for him, but them's, that, 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 is, that is the facts of it all. So I think for uh, the way it's going to shake out is it's hopefully we can get Usman and Masvidal made. If it doesn't, though, I do think that Gilbert probably just swooped in and stole the title shot after last night, for sure. Um, as far as the rest of the card was concerned from yesterday, um, you know, the, you had a uh, the the, uh, the the man fantastic fight between uh, uh, Billy Quaratillo uh, uh, taking on Spark Carlisle, the the Alpha Ginger. Fun night, fun night. By the way, uh, doing the uh, doing the live broadcast with everybody on Instagram it was kind of a weird night where we were doing that plus cover covering the riots as well. Like we were keeping tabs on all the stuff that was going on. But those guys put on a really, really fun, fun fight. And a lot of people thought that should have been fight of the night. They ended up going with uh, uh, Roy Val versus uh, Elliot as the uh, as the fight of the night. Performances of the night went to Gilbert Burns and Mackenzie Dern, who shout out to the new mom, Mackenzie Dern. She got a awesome arm, uh, knee bar 
to uh, to get herself a win to kick off the main card. Roosevelt Roberts with a with a nice win over uh, Brock Weaver. Um, the heavyweight matchup coming event: Augusta Sakai over Blagoy Ivanov. You know, it was it was an okay fight. It was just okay. It was kind of one of those lethargic, rumbling heavyweight matchups. Uh, Caitlin Jakagan looked awesome against uh, the other Shevchenko, and you know that was uh, it was it was it was a good night. I want to make one point before uh, I move on into UFC 250 about uh, Tyron Woodley. Um, you know, this is a, this is two fights in a row now where. He uh, basically, look, we've seen him fight twice over the span of a year plus, um, and he's gotten his ass kicked for for 10 rounds by two absolute monsters. But um, you do wonder watching that. You, 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 it's only natural to have the questions as age catching up with him. 38 years old. He's admitted to having like, you know, the depression thing, money issues, a lot of distractions where he was doing the the hip hop thing, the TMZ thing, um, you know, and he had a tough title reign. You know, it was a title reign where he was taking on a lot of tough guys, tough fights against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, where he didn't get a lot of credit for the wins. Uh, people, you know, Damian Maya, fewest strikes ever thrown in a championship fight. A lot of people hated that bout. Um, you know, it was a tough title reign for Tyron Woodley. For sure, he had you know came back and beat Darren Till, who I think is is probably the the the, the worst of the the bunch of the guys that he's faced. I don't think he's as good as uh, even though he's beaten Wonder Boy. I don't I don't think he's as good a fighter as Wonder Boy because it was a very uh, it was a very it wasn't it wasn't Wonder Boy at his peak first of all, and I don't think that um, I just don't think he's as good. I don't think he's as good as Wonder Boy Thompson. Just my opinion. Um, and 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 the, and the Damian Maya fight, like I got it, it really felt like you know just gonna go in that and not get choked out and do what you gotta do. Um, always was fighting for that credit, and I don't think he's he's ever, I don't think he ever got it, and I don't know if he's ever gonna get it, and especially the way he lost the belt and now has fought after that. Um, where he goes from here, like I, I think this is a tough one for him. Um, because there's only a there's there's only a couple ways to go. You make the Leon Edwards fight, you go that direction, um, and you know there's still heat there. Those guys got into it back and forth this week. Uh, if you're Leon, do you take that fight because it's maybe got the least amount of reward because everyone's going to kind of look at him as damaged goods right now, um, or maybe you get knocked out by him and, and you're his redemption project. Uh, the Colby fight always makes sense because those guys hate each other like poison. So he could do that. So Tyron does have a path to get back to contendership. I guess the question is, does he have the tool set? Like, does the, does this guy really have the the Does he have the toolbox anymore to to hit him with that monster right hand? You know, he's had shoulder injuries. Um, not really. Doesn't look like he's clicking on all cylinders when he goes in there. Doesn't look like a guy who really has the explosion that he used to. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I, this is not one of those ones where I want to write a guy off completely and say that he should definitely retire because 38's not – It's not. you're not dead in the water as far as a fighter's concerned, but I do feel like we are seeing a guy who the, I think the division has blown past. I do feel like you lose that badly in a, in a championship fight and you lose that badly in your comeback fight. Um, against a guy who may not even, you know, maybe the fifth best guy in the division. Maybe, maybe he's the best. I don't know. But, um, 
I do think that that we're seeing with Tyron a, a tough and that let me tell you something that that's it's a tough division. We've now seen uh, when when guys get off that rain at welterweight, it's a hard fall. You know, you think of Robbie Robbie Lawler after he lost his belt to Woodley, wasn't quite the same guy. Uh, Johnny Hendricks, although a lot, there was a lot of USADA stuff that people do think were in the background when he lost the belt and, and got off of those tilts, wasn't the same guy. Even GSP, those performances, it was such a, you know, he talked about the the grueling, the grind of being welterweight champion of the world. In a lot of ways, it's the most talented division the UFC has to offer. It's either that or 155, so it's one of the top two. Um, I think probably right now it has the argument for being the best. But... Um, I just think it's such. I I think that being champion at welterweight, you have to be so good in so many areas that it's a different kind of championship grind than the other spots. And I do think that that took a toll on Willie because I do think that he was almost going into these fights almost as a a guy who was trying to negate the best weapons of his opponents and did really a great systematic job of taking those weapons away. Um, but I do think that I, I do think we it's it's impossible not to look at these last two performances and think that his best days are behind him. That's what it looks like. And and to to realistically think that he's gonna get back to the mountaintop, okay. Uh well, do you think he's gonna after seeing what you saw tonight, do you think that it was just a bad night against Kamara Usman, or maybe we weren't seeing the best of Tyron Woodley after seeing what Gilbert Burns did to him? You know, Gilbert, a guy who was a, a divisional afterthought, wasn't even on the scene of the division six months ago, is now, you know, it, it, it is maybe a title contender if, if the situations break right, most likely a top five guy. Um, if that's the case, then I think we are just seeing what uh, was the end of a reign um, where he's one of the best welterweight champions of all time. I don't know if you, he's not in the class of GSP, but. Um, Man, I think that he's going to be a guy where he's always been looking for his credit, and I think that this is this this kind of fall off is going to be looked upon as yeah, he was never he wasn't that good, and I think that's tough because I do think that um, there was a method to his madness, but also I think did such a such a uh, did a lot of campaigning for himself to to make people understand why he was good rather than just, you know, like have the sensational moments like maybe Kamaro has is already having where Kamaro has the performance that he has against uh, against Woodley and then has the performance he does against Colby. I think Kamaro's just kind of doing it with his actions. I don't think and I think, you know, Kamaro could do, you know, he easily could be doing a lot of the Tyron Woodley thing where he's looking for his credit, looking for his credit. I don't feel like he's doing that as much as Tyron did vocally. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was tough to watch that. It definitely was. It felt like we were watching a guy, uh, way past his prime. It felt like 38 caught up to him quick. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. All right, let's shift gears to next week. Uh, UFC 250, Amanda Nunes is going to be taking on Felicia Spencer in the main event. She is going to be defending her title. The last time we saw Amanda, in action was against Jermaine Durandamy in December. Not a fantastic performance by um, the GOAT. You know, it wasn't that she didn't dominate. It's not that she didn't get the win, but um, 
lackluster, I think, as you would say. Most of her performances have been just blow-your-mind sensational. Um, she had been on such a war path of destruction. And so we hadn't seen Amanda Nunes. She's almost gotten to this level of she has to uh, – it, it's, it's almost becoming hard for her to top herself. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Felicia Spencer showed herself to be really gutsy against Cyborg, but I wouldn't – feel any kind of right going in here and and thinking that she has any shot against beating um, uh the the best woman to ever step inside the octagon but a fun fight really fun fight for the uh for for the for the small guys coming up you got uh Rafael Sunsal versus uh Cody Garbrandt and obviously an interesting fight for Cody there's been some uh talks of him ever going down to flyweight and whatnot but this is a guy you know like he had a rocket to his back with the performance he had against Dominic Cruz uh, four years ago, and, and and you thought that this guy was on his way to being you know maybe one of the next stars for the UFC. Um, has those knockout losses to TJ Dillashaw, who we know was uh, was juicing like a young Barry Bonds uh, or like a, an old Barry Bonds, I should say. I should say a young D Gordon, um, better in the weight class, but. Um, you know, and then and then had a, a rough loss to Pedro Munoz, where he's you know he's coming out of the gates, man, where he's been on fire, but he has not been um, you know been able to get to the finish line on these things. So very much looking to see what kind of Cody Garbrandt we get. He is la- he hasn't fought in over a year, so uh, it's been a while for that. And then as far as a Sun Sao, always a solid bantamweight. He's always a guy who's right there in the mix. Um, you know, he's got two straight losses, so he's looking to bounce back as well. Big swing match for both of these guys. Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sandhagen. I would say Bantamweight's in a rough spot. Not in a rough spot. It's in an interesting spot where we got announced this week that uh, Jose Aldo versus Peter Jan uh, was going to be the uh, vacant championship fight that was going to take place. And so I would say most likely one of these two guys, whoever comes out of that, is mo- is probably the front runner to go in there and get themselves a an opportunity to fight for the title next. Um but Corey Sanhagen has rattled off. He is a 12 and 1. He's rattled off seven straight wins. And then Aljamain Sterling is uh, is in the midst of a four-fight win streak as well. So, you know, you're talking about two guys who are who are playing real or who are fighting really good right now. Really fun fight between uh, Neil Magny and 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 Rocco Martin is going on in that card as well. Um Neil Magny's always tough, always, always, always game in these cards. And so is Rago. Uh, you know, and the thing with Neil that you always got to be worried about is like you feel like you get him early and he'll come back and get you. Uh, people are going to be excited about seeing Eric Eddie Wineland against uh, Sean O'Malley. Of course, the the Sugar Show now fully back in action. Um, look, he, the dude's a star. The guy goes out there and he, he puts up Mortal Kombat moves. People love watching him. Um, I think that if you look at a guy who has potential star power, he's one of them. Uh, another fun fight, Alex Caceres against Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper, uh, who is a friend of the program. We've had Chase Hooper when he was fighting for Titan. The teenage dream now. He's just, I think, the dream. What is What did he go with as his new nickname? Now, is it, is it just Ben Askren's son? He's hilarious on social media, by the way. Chase Hooper. Go check him out. But he is an absolute kid. Like, you would never think it looking at him. He's got the most unassuming look. But he is he is an absolute, absolute killer. And so, yeah, he's just going by the dream now. Good for him. He just dropped the teenage afterwards. But, yeah, it's the guy who's been, um, you know, in the in, in fighting since since uh, a pro fighter since he was a teenager. So he's getting after Alex Caceres, vet of the game, Bruce Leroy, uh, Miami's own, 
former fighter of the backyard, back streets. That's a tough one for me to pick because I love both of these guys. Uh, this one's going to tug up my heartstrings for sure. But um, it's a good matchup, man. But it is one of those where they're they're giving him a, a, a tested, proven veteran. But I think they feel like the young guy should have enough in him to go and and get the win. Um, so, yeah, man, it's a really, really fun card tomorrow, uh, next weekend on pay-per-view UFC 250. It's not like the greatest pay-per-view of all time, but it's certainly stagged with some good, good action for sure. So that's a little recap of what went down last night, a little look forward to what would happen. Uh, we'll give you the rest of the podcast coming up next. You guys will get our thoughts on the whole John Jones versus Dana White uh, kerfuffle. I will say before when we, when we laid that down, didn't get Dana's comments uh, that we got in the post-fight tonight. All really kind of saying that it wasn't anything mind-blowing. He did say that uh, the thing with the reason he doesn't have a great relationship with John is because all he does is think about the disappointment that he has and what John could have been. He could have been the LeBron of the sport. Um, and that, you know, just because he's the greatest of all time doesn't mean he can sell. Uh, and, I, you know, look, I get what he's saying. I just think it's silly not to expect uh, this guy to take this leap up, this monster fight, which is a super fight. It's one of the rare super fights that you guys do have on the table and to think that that fight can't if you can't but my point would be this if you can't sell that fight is that a john jones problem like if you can't sell the greatest guy to ever do it against the scariest guy that you've had in the heavyweight division ever then what fights can you sell because i know you're damn good at selling fights i know you're damn good at selling fights um and the other thing is you know part of the argument is uh well you can't sell well half of this doesn't have to be sold because you don't have to sell tickets you just have to sell broadcasts and I'm pretty certain they could do that. But I'll give you more, more of my thoughts on the other side of this. I thought it was really the story of the week this week with the UFC, and that is, of course, the uh, very public non-negotiations uh, between John Jones and the UFC. Things got really, really toxic this week as um, we we had, the, we had the, the thoughts last week where John was uh, live tweeting and saying the negotiations went nowhere. And then um, Dana came out this week and was discussing that, you know, he was asking for, quote, an absurd amount of money, an absurd amount of money that he was not uh, that he was not, you know, able or going to pay. And so and, and couldn't be asking for it at a worse time. And and that really set John Jones off. He was calling Dana White a liar. He called it BS, not using, you know, the you know, not using the initials, but actually saying the whole world. Uh, calling it absolute BS, and then started going and making some points on another rant where he was talking about, um, I don't even want half of what Deontay Wilder makes. My reputation causes you to undervalue me. Go ahead and release me from the UFC contract altogether. I'm sure some promoter elsewhere will be more than happy to pick me up. And if I wanted to compare my money to somebody else, I would compare it to my brothers. I see firsthand the way the NFL treats their champion athletes. There's a huge difference. I've kept my mouth shut for my entire career. Do I make five plus per fight? Yes. Should I stick to that number for my super fights? No. If you don't agree with that, uh, you just don't know how to do business. You just don't know the business. I certainly don't even ask for 30. I didn't even throw a number out. Um, don't be an effing liar. My reputation has already had enough hits. I don't need the bowl bleep, Dana. I didn't ask for Deontay Wilder numbers. How about since Deontay Wilder makes 15, we settle for half of that. Since you said I'm the goat and everything, if you're sick of these lies, I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to stick to defending myself. Please have your lawyer Hunter Campbell release those text messages. So uh, he's kind of thrown it all out there. Dana was making the point too this week where he said that he took, you know, he's going to have a hundred million dollars in lost revenue uh, from no gate, 
And we talked a little bit about this this week on the morning show because there's also been a big gap, it seems, in getting uh, Jorge Masvidal and Kamar Usman to step up to the plate and take their fights. And now Masvidal seems like he is going to go take in a relatively easier fight in Nate Diaz because he's already fought and beaten Nate Diaz. So I feel comfortable saying that. But the um, you know the John Jones thing where he's going to take on Francis Ngannou, I know with John that he's not a guy who everybody feels very sympathetic for because he has been given a lot of chances, and I don't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't escape me that the UFC has given him a gazillion chances, has dealt with all of the off or out of the cage issues that he's had. Um, it doesn't escape me that they have literally moved pay-per-view cards because he has pulsing uh, steroids going through his system. I get all that. But the thing that's interesting is, you know, Dana White's talking this week and he says that, you know, I'm assuming all of the risk that we lose over $100 million in gate. It would be much easier for me to sit back and say, let's wait this thing out. Um, but he says that I am assuming all the risk and that fighters are asking for more money. This is a business of a guy that assumes all the risk. I'm going to get you a fight for this. I'm going to get you a fight for that. We build the car. Then when we come out of pandemic, common sense would say that we're going to do good, but there's no guarantees that we're all going to do good. I assume all the risk, and that's my job to figure it out. I haven't paid too much attention because I got my own problems, but I haven't laid off any employees. Uh, nobody has taken a pay cut at the UFC. We're in the same boat as everybody else, and I'm running my business. I haven't cut anybody's money. Haven't taken. Uh, haven't asked one fighter to take anything less, and it's the complete opposite. Opposite. They're coming and asking for more money, and I look at it. That's my problem. I need to figure that out. So, I get. I, I, I look. I get where where it's coming from. Where you're going, and you're saying that um, uh, you don't have this source of revenue. Here's the thing, though. Uh, again, where you have all of these owners, and this is going similar into what baseball is going through. We have all these owners: Endeavor, uh, the UFC, Dana White, Disney. Let's just kind of put it all under this carpet of. This, uh, you know, we're we're not we don't have this revenue source. John Jones's biggest fights are against Daniel Cormier, correct? I mean, it made a two point five million dollar gate. This was not this was not a huge revenue get for the UFC in comparison to what they would do from a pay per view standpoint. I'm not somebody who's going to go and pretend like I know all of the X's and O's and all the uh, the decimal points as far as um, what what the uh what the what the economics are of it but i do know that the uh the the vast majority of the money comes from pay-per-view and you have john jones's last you know some of his big fights like against the ra- the rematch against gustison which ended up taking place in california just over 2 million Dan- uh, him versus dc 2.5 million and that's you know if john's making over half of that uh, is making twice that from his purse. Like you've been able to cover that before from not having huge purses for John Jones's fights. Um, in regards to the wilder thing, like, look, it's taken wilder a while to get to this point of making that kind of big money. But the idea that you're assuming all the risk is stupid to me. Like you can't go out there and say that you're assuming all the risk when John Jones could go out there and he could fight Jan Blahovich or he could go fight Tiago Santos or he could go fight Dominic Reyes again. And look, we've seen him fight it and that's great. I mean, you could say that he's getting more vulnerable, but a lot, I think that the thing that we have to say with John is this is a guy that has clearly shown that motivation 
is a big uh, deterrent when it comes to not really having it there for him in the midst of a training camp. We saw it against, you know, his first fight against Alexander Gustafson. We've seen it against OSP. We've seen these, the, we've seen these less than stellar John Jones products when he goes out there and fights somebody who who he doesn't dub worthy of fighting him. That he kind of plays has been playing down to his competition, if you will. So there's very few things in the sport that fans have been wanting more so than John Jones to make this leap up to heavyweight. Now he's willing to do it, but he's not only going to do it, he's going to do it against the quote-unquote most dangerous guy in the UFC. The other thing that I find silly about it when you're going to sit here and say, okay, we're going to miss out on a $2 million gate or you know, let's just be generous and let's call it a, a $5 million gate. Like, Let's say you could just really blow the doors off of it and people would finally want to pay that kind of money to see John Jones uh live I, I think the thing that you're also missing is what you get for both of these guys if they win it feels like they would become even bigger i think especially for francis you're rolling the dice a little bit and that francis Ngannou is uh you know we've already seen him get dismantled a little bit by stipe but maybe he goes out and he wrecks john jones and now you have the biggest baddest thing on the planet and what you probably were wanting really your entire tenure, which has been this monster knockout, unstoppable force uh, at heavyweight. You really haven't had that in the history of your sport, uh, certainly not for a long, long time. And so I just think that, you know, to to completely dismiss this and ice these fights, it's, it's, it's weird to me because here's the thing. You don't come out and you're not the company that says, we're going to storm on, we're going to build an island, we're going to do this, we're going to go at all costs, and yet you're going to ask the fighters to stick to what their contracts are or you know, be happy with what you get and say, well, we're assuming all the risk. Capitally, yes, you are, but they're the ones out there risking their bodies. They're the ones going out there and risking their cognitive ability. And that's what it comes down to when you're fighting a guy like Francis Ngannou. The guy knocks people dead in 22 seconds. Uh, you got you see a guy like Stephen Miocic and the way he speaks since he fought Francis Ngannou for five rounds doesn't talk the same. He doesn't. Um, I just think that it's silly to, to go and expect these guys to not want more money. The other thing that's weird about it is, you know, it's been funny because you've had a lot of uh, a bromance going on between Eddie Hearn and... Uh, and Dana White and Eddie, who came out this week, it was starting to talk about how fight purses have gotten out of hand. And he says a lot of the blame goes to him and goes to DAZN because they wanted to, you know, make a big splash and they wanted to make it uh, so people would make DAZN the go-to place to watch boxing. And the thing that's funny with it is, you know, I can say from this standpoint, the the place where DAZN panicked and the place where they got silly about it is you made a product that people were going to be the people were going to be able to go and be the ultimate boxing fan and the ultimate boxing experience and within 6 months you were already doubling the price of what that first month would be to get to zone and you had like four fighters who you really were willing to go I mean that's more than that's more than Showtime that's more than HBO and so, yeah, you might say, oh, well, but yeah, but you get an Anthony Joshua. He's like, yeah, I get one Anthony Joshua fight. I get one Canelo fight. And let's not act like you guys have really rolled out the red carpet opponents for Canelo Alvarez since he's been over at DAZN and has signed, you know, the biggest guaranteed professional sports contract there is. So, um, 
Now he seems to be in this this camp of we got to pay the fighters less. Dana's in this place where he's like, well, I'm assuming all the risk. It's like, well, no, these fights, these fights that the fans want to see, you can't dictate when something is hot and when something and when people want to see certain fights and when guys are are going to be on a roll and when when certain guys uh, make things that are, are vile. You didn't know Jorge Masvidal was going to become a, a monster star at age 34, 35, having the year he had at 2019. Now you can't say, well, listen, you should be happy with what you got. No, like that's not how it works. It's not how it would work in boxing if you tried to make a, a fight happen. If, if these guys were going out there and Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury had the fight everybody wanted to see, yeah, they're going to get more money. They're going to go and get a, a, a bigger payday. And you have ESPN right now where, you know, they gave you this big nut, this big guarantee when it comes to these pay-per-views. And you don't think that they would want to get all these subscribers to ESPN plus people locked in because you have this freak show fight between John Bones Jones, the greatest to ever step inside the cage, and Francis Ngannou, maybe the scariest heavyweight to ever step inside the cage. You could actually have these guys clash and you say, yeah, but John, just be happy with what you got. You know, same, same. If you're gonna fight Jan Blahovic, uh, samezies, samezies is fighting Francis Ngannou. It's like, well, well, what the f, man? Should I just stay and do what I've been doing then? Like, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, you know, go up there and I could possibly lose my win streak, if I could possibly, if I'm taking on a more dangerous body type, a more dangerous knockout artist, um, for them to say. You know, he's asking for an absorbent amount of money. I got to say, I go no sale because if you remember back to the first press conference, Dana said, um, we'll see if he really wants that fight. That's what Dana White said after that. That's code, man. That's code for saying, well, we'll see if he really wants to fight that fight for what his contract is. All right. You're telling me that fight's not, there's certain fights. You're telling me that one's not that's not one where somebody should expect to make more money guaranteed to make that, that kind of a body change to take on that kind of opponent. Um, I, I just go no sale on that. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's bull crap for uh, the organization to go out there, have this, this stupid idea of fight Island where they're going to go fight in the middle of nowhere. They're building a facility out on the beach to, to make the the appearance like we're keeping this thing afloat and we're keeping this thing going. And it's like, yeah, well, you've kind of already seen, if you look at the card uh, yesterday, like, good card, but it, it, it's you've already kind of seen, like, outside of the main event, you know, we've, you've kind of run thin on stuff. UFC 250, do they really have the ponies? The other thing that's been a, a bummer, look at Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo uh, hanging it up because of the money he's making. Um, I get it. You don't think you can make money off the little guys or you don't think that they are, they're, they're worth it. Like that guy's going out and he's doing what you complained mighty mouse of not doing for years, which is going out and finishing guys and going and getting these, uh, these, these, uh, these great finishes against these big names. He's doing that. And he jumped weight classes like you wanted uh, mighty mouse to do. And even still that guy's leaving for what everybody believes is financial reasons. Uh, Jorge Masvidal versus Kamaru Usman. You're really going to go and tell me that you wouldn't pony up to make either one of those guys fight because either two things are going to happen. One, it would be the most famous guy that Kamaru Usman beat 
in as far as current star power, even if we want to say Tyron Willie was a better champion. Um, so his stock should rise. And then on the other side, if Jorge Masvidal becomes an actual champion, that just that just uh, makes his makes his star power grow even more. And you know people are really into him, and that he's become a guy who's a maestro with the mic and a, and a media darling. I just you know I I really think that you took this opportunity where you were going to tell everybody we're going to be the first league back and we're going to be the first sport back, and they're not you know they're they're not in this situation where they're losing out games or they're losing out inventory. No, they've, they're, they're already caught up, baby. They're going to be caught up on, on, on their TV inventory. Um, and there's plenty of fights out there that don't do these mon- They don't do these monster Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Maybe Connor Connor's a big loss for you. They, you know, there's talk this week. Don't even have an opponent for Connor. Cause they're like, well, what's the point? We're going to miss out on his gate. Going to miss out on his gate. What, how can we pay him? It's like, I, I don't understand. Like, did you want to use this opportunity to be the only show in town to do it half-assed just because you're the only show in town? Or did you want to do it and really unfold and expose an audience, a sporting audience that's more thirsty than ever for live sporting events? Did you want to do that half-assed and do it on the cheap and do it when people were like, all right, these okay matchups these are fun a lot of these fights have been fun the, the cards have been great coming back i'm just saying though drawn in the casual eyes do you want to do you want to skimp on it and say oh i'm assuming all the risk or do you want to take the opportunity to go out there pay for these big time fights know that you're the only show in town prove that you really trailblazed and said oh we're going to go out there not only are we going to be not only are we going to be the only one going? We're going to have the biggest cards. Eh, that was good talk for like a week. Now that eh, now that we actually have to get these cards and these fights in the octagon, now all of a sudden, oh, I'm assuming all the risk. Uh, well, no, you're not because you're not getting punched in the face. So you're actually financially okay, but risk is a is a funny thing because you do you do have your your television deal with ESPN. You do have this this grand partnership with Disney. And you're gonna tell me, and, and you're the one, by the way, who's out there saying I want to go fight on a on a on an effing island, and trademarking UFC because John Oliver said something witty. Um, come on, bro. Like, like I don't want to. I don't want to go out there and and hear all of this. Like, oh well, it's just it's it's impossible time to do big fights. No, man. Like, if you you wanted to be the only show in town, you wanted to be the ringleader. Now that you got. You know, your performers are out here saying, yeah, well, I want to do these super fights and I want to make these things happen, but I want to get a little bit more money. And you're like, well, sorry. Oh, okay. Well, I thought that the whole point of you guys coming back is because you were going to be the only show in town. People were going to want to see you. And let me tell you something. John Jones versus Francis Ngannou is something people want to see. Now, I'm not breaking any news there. Um, If you don't think that you're going to sell a gazillion pay-per-views on that, with the way they could promote fights, with the knockout reel they could show of Francis, with the, with the, with the talk of John Jones and, and how people hate him and root against him. Um, I mean, it's such a slam dunk, and, and I just don't understand why you would make it seem like 
there's overwhelming greed. You didn't think that when John was going to come up and fight this fight that he was going to ask for more money. That's strange to me. Uh, I, I don't like, I don't like the picture that they were painting of that. And look at not, I know John's at uh, not the most sympathetic figure in the world. He screwed up a lot, a lot. Um, but when it comes to performing in the cage, he's the best to do it. And now you're, you've had this hope. We've all had this hope as fans, as a, as the UFC, as a business, um, we've all wanted to see what is it like if John takes on the heavyweights, but we've wanted to also see it like in this almost like Avengers versus justice league type of super matchup. Like don't just take on a heavyweight, go take on the f- most freakish heavyweight, you know, when he would, before he got suspended, you know, he called out Brock Lesnar. We were like, Oh, Oh, that's the matchup you want. I gotta see it. I gotta see it. This isn't Brock Lesnar, but this is about as damn close as you're going to get. They got to make it happen. Back after this. Welcome back, everybody. Futters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. We got a report of a matchup this week of Darren Till versus Robert Whitaker. They have verbal agreements to fight at, on July 25th for a UFC event. I guess the thing that's going to be interesting with this is where this is uh, is, is going to be taking place. It was broken by a combate, and that was uh, that this is going to be the main event bout. Um, not sure if this is going to be on Fight Island. Uh, these are two international guys, so it would make sense. Um, it would be it, it's it would be a, it's a fun matchup. It's an absolute it's a, it's an absolutely fun matchup between both these guys. Two really great strikers. Uh, a win for Darren Till, I feel like, does a lot more. I feel like it gets him uh, vaulted back into that middleweight title picture. And I, I do think that the UFC looks at him, looks what he was able to do at Liverpool. I do think that they think he has um, some McGregor-like qualities, but they do think that they they tried to really soup him up. They wanted to make him like the next bleep-talking Englishman to to really go in there and and you know storm everybody. He had a lot of those qualities, talked like that, talked talked the talk, but he just didn't he didn't have the performances in the cage. So him against Robert Whitaker. Um, I think it's a win that gives him a lot of credibility in the division because then he goes and he beats Kelvin. He's beaten Kelvin, and if he's able to beat Robert Whitaker, that kind of puts him right to the top as far as contenders are concerned for that fight. For Whitaker, um, it's an interesting one because you know he's he, we kind of had this mystery of where he was, uh, what what he was off to, what was he doing, um, needed some time off, and so this gets him back into the cage as the former champ. You know, the last time we saw him was him losing his belt, and that was in October to Israel Adesanya in in, in Melbourne. So um, now this is this is kind of an interesting one for him. Like, where does he bounce back from this? Because he's had some tough, tough fights. You know, you're talking about from the time that he, you know, when he really vaulted himself into the title picture. The the two fights against Yoel and then the fight again were not easy. They were very, very close. Um, and then the fight against uh, the 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 fight against uh, Stylebender was was super close as well. So this one is a it's a really really fun matchup. Um, he, he, you know he he was out for some personal stuff. So I would like to know, you know what is uh, what is the thing that we're gonna see from him? Uh, he did say uh, that he felt burnt out, didn't feel like training, didn't want to fight. Period. Um, so 
you know, he wanted to spend some time with his family, and now he feels he feels uh, feels good. I think that's going to be great. I think it's going to be great because you know it is it is tough. You have that burden of the of the title reign gets some guys quicker than others, and especially when you had the fights that he fought to be in that spot. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. Another thing that came out this week, Conor McGregor. Uh, it was funny because there was all that goat talk. We didn't get to that last week, but Conor McGregor had staked his claim to the goat that he is the greatest of all time uh, in mixed martial arts. And he's, uh, you know, it's funny if he would have kind of just taken his, if he would have taken his win over Eddie Alvarez and just rode off into the sunset, you, you know, you probably, even with the lost in Diaz, I think you would have been like, yeah, that guy might've been the greatest I've ever seen. Um, I do think that, that, that Connor has, he's, he's not as spectacular as, as uh, of a fighter, fighting at uh bigger weight classes i think at 145 like they always say oh who's the best featherweight of all time they're trying to give it to max holloway um because max defended his belt i don't really care that connor didn't defend his belt you know he won the interim championship jose pulled out and then he knocked jose aldo out in, in, in the blink of an eye to me he's the best featherweight of all time i don't think it's debatable he beat poirier he beat max holloway uh with a torn knee you know, he beat everybody there is to beat at at featherweight. I don't I don't think that there's a debate that at 145 he's the best champion of all time. He does have an accolade of being the first simultaneous champion and really started a trend. Um, he's going to go down though. I think as the most he's going to go down as one of the most important mixed martial artists of all time. Um, but if you're going to say like pure mixed martial artist, the greatest to do it. I mean, what does that mean to everybody? Um, I think it's hard. It's hard not to put, it's it's hard not to put like GSP up out there, like especially after coming back and winning the middleweight championship. So he's able to do that crowning achievement as well. Even though, you know, he was beating an older Michael Bisbing. I think that's probably where I would go as far as far as greatest of all time. And then doesn't have the 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 steroid taint of John Jones. If you wanted to go that direction, I actually take it back. Like no wait, John John's the best. John's the best I've seen do it. Um, just because he was in the wild west of all the performance dancing drugs. Then I'd probably go GSP. Um, he, he, Mighty Mouse has to be somewhere up there. He has to be somewhere up there, but I don't know where you do it because of the, um, just the weight class that he was at. I just don't know how much you want to put into the quality that he was taking on. Um, Anderson definitely has tarnished it because of not only the PDs, but just the, the, the loss and just hasn't looked the same. So maybe just held on a little bit too long. This is the problem is that you get into these talks and like guys just hold on a little bit too long and it's inevitable that you have, if you go and remember them at their prime, um, I think that, I think that you'd, you'd be like, yeah, I mean, Anderson's definitely gotta be up there. The fight that we always, the old school super fight that we always wanted to see was him versus GSP, but either way, um, this gets to a point where Anderson Silva said that he wanted to fight Conor McGregor in a super fight at 176 pounds uh, off the theme of this goat stuff. He um, he says, I have an immense admiration for the great honor that uh, athlete that Conor is. I believe the super fight would be something historic for the sport. Neither of us need to prove anything to anyone. I believe the UFC and the sports fans would like a great martial arts show and testing that martial arts skill with him would be fantastic. Okay. Here's the thing, though. Um, I'm just not at the point where I want to see Connor take gimmick fights. I'm just not. You know, 
this is what it, you know Anderson already kind of had a gimmick fight recently against Stylebender where it's like yeah he's out here and it's like these guys were kind of almost in an exhibition showing off their Mortal Kombat moves I really don't want Connor getting into this game for a couple reasons one um Anderson is just not good anymore you know like Anderson Silva hasn't won a fight that hasn't been taken away by uh, performance-enhancing drugs in, like, how long? Like, he's 45 years old. He was the he was in the conversation of the GOAT for the longest time, but he has not won a fight. And, and put this in your pipe and smoke it. He has not won a fight since 2012 other than beating Derek Brunson in February 2017, a fight that nobody thinks he won. And his Nick Diaz win was changed to a no contest because of performance-enhancing drugs. So officially, he has one win over the last eight years, a win that nobody thinks he won. So when you're telling me, I want like, hey, you're going to get to go see that guy fight, nah, I'm just not into it, man. It just does nothing for me, you know? It's kind of like the Fedor stuff now, like... Fedor was great. Fedor was the guy where like everybody was like, oh, you got to watch Fedor. Come and watch Fedor. I remember Alex Dono. He's like, come on, man. Come watch my guy Fedor. Got to watch him. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll check out Fedor. And that was the night where he got choked out. I was like, all right, well, that's, that, that, that's your Fedor. So I never really got the, you know, the appeal of Fedor. I understand the respect everybody has for him, but I was never on that train. With Anderson, I was on that train. Like I was watching this guy front kick people to hell. I was watching... You know the 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 crazy submissions where he pulled the winner against uh, Chael Sonnen out of his you know what. These these are the things I've seen, but you know, ever since losing to Chris Weidman, getting knocked out, ever since the the brutal leg injury, he hasn't been the same fighter, um, and he's old as hell right now. Conor McGregor, look, he's got his win over Cowboy. I do think that a lot of the credit of that has warned off because I think people feel like Cowboy is a little bit on the wash side right now. Um, but I do think that he is in a prime position to get right back in there and bring himself back to uh, respectability and goat status. If he, look, if Connor's able to do this thing where he's able to win the championship back, if he is able to win the 155-pound championship, either if it is from Justin Gaethje or if it is from Nurmagomedov, um, then you could bat, you could put him back in the conversation of greatest of all time. Certainly, if he's able to do the remarkable and go and win a third championship, if he's able to go beat an Usman or a Masvidal at 170 pounds and win th- uh, three titles at three weight classes, that I think would 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 help cement his legacy as the greatest of all time. He's going to be looked upon as the most important fighter in UFC history or the most popular star in UFC history. But right now, I don't think he has. I don't. I don't think he's able to wear the crown of the greatest of all time. You know, I, I just think that best have seen do it. John Bones Jones. Uh, if you want to go clean or less of a cloud around him, go GSP. Want to go even less of a cloud around him, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Like these are guys that that, that are unblemished, um, and their or only blemishes has been avenged. Or were sl- were disqualifications or slight slight losses to Henry Cejudo. That's that that to me 
that that to me is 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 where you go with this conversation. I just think that Anderson's uh, record is just a little bit too tarnished and has been for too long. Um, and that's where I go with that. That's what that, that that that's where I stand with that right now. But I I was zero excited. One to see that Connor says he accepts the fight, and two that anybody would be really into the fight just does nothing for me. You know what? Like I want Anderson Silva to go. Like in all honesty, like I would want Anderson Silva to almost go on these exhibit. Like he, I would. I almost want Anderson Silva to go on like the exhibition trail that like uh, you know Mike Tyson's going off into and. Will Mike Tyson fight Shannon Briggs? Will he fight uh, Evander Holyfield? Will he fight Klitschko? Will he fight one of these guys? That's the almost the realm I want Anderson to go in. Can we finally get him versus Roy Jones? Like something like that. That's where I want. Him. I don't want him taking on a guy who's still in the prime of his career, who can actually compete for the lightweight championship of the world, um, and of all the options that he has out there right now. Now. You know, what is next for God? I don't know. Like, it's funny because, you know, Dana's talking about, oh, well, we don't really have any plans. Nothing is materialized. And, you know, you wonder if both are just balking at the idea of uh, no fans, no Connor. And uh, Connor had this whole vibe that he was going to be uh, he was going to be back and doing it. But also, you know, there's no real rush for him to come back either, because if the if all the point of it was to go fight Nurmagomedov, for the lightweight championship of the world, it's kind of out of your hands right now. The ball's been taken out of your court. Um, so he might have to wait till the end of the year anyway. There's really no benefit for him to go and take a fight unless it was, I mean, unless it was probably for another championship. So unless like he was going to go for it all, take a big old Stanton cut and take on Kara Usman, I don't really know what is the best fight for him right now. Because, you know, taking on Poirier feels like a fight there. There's only downside for him. Same thing with uh, with a lot of lightweights right now. I think for him, it's probably just best that he sits idly by. And the other two matchups I think people would be into are either him versus Jorge and him versus Kamaru. And I think he very clearly wants to do this sequentially where uh, where he wins the 155 belt and then he goes for the welterweight championship and see who stands up on top of that, uh, that mountain. But it's also a big task to ask for um, him to go out there and, and win this championship too. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790. The ticket. I will say in a follow-up of uh, what we were talking about last segment, I, uh, I am surprised that like I saw the early, early odds was that Silva opened up as a favorite against McGregor. Now I do now I know I have said that my thing with Connor is I feel like he is way better, the smaller that he is. But I, again, I think I just gave you the, 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 the idea of you, if you look at Anderson Silva's resume over the last eight years it's just not it's just not very impressive so it's uh it's it's a crazy one to me oh there's another story locally that i wanted to hit on real quick before we uh roll on so uh colby covington is uh is moved gyms apparently he is no longer fighting at american top team now this came to light this week nationally because colby was uh, taken off the American Top Team website. Now there were there were stuff there was stuff on social media where he was like 
working out with guys in Miami for a while where he was working out. Uh, I think I saw him on Yuli Diaz's Instagram where he was, um, you know, just showing up in the story. So it looked like he wasn't working out at American Top Team, but I didn't know that that, that trigger had officially been pulled. I got to say, it's not surprising from the standpoint of, you know, he, I think he officially left Dan Lambert at one point last year as his, uh, his go-to agent. Um, but you know, they've built such a powerhouse over there. And a lot of it is, you know, these guys, they come into camp, they live, they, 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 they train, they get ready at coconut Creek and, you know, he's been there from the time he was a kid. It's his, it's, it's, it's his original place. And, you know, he's gone to this, this persona, this character that's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I don't think it's that crazy that when you have that many good fighters fighting under one roof, that it's going to get to a situation where somebody, you know, may, may rub somebody the wrong way and you get into this kind of situation. Um, you know, but he he had run-ins with uh, Jorge Masvidal. He had run-ins with Dustin Poirier. He had run-ins with Joanna and Jacek. So he ended up finding someplace else. And it's apparently at a MMA Masters in Miami. Uh, Miguel Baeza trains there. It's a great gym. It's a it's a it's a fantastic gym. We have a ton of those down here. Um, but it is you know it's a little bit of a bummer because you know Colby was. I remember sitting down with him. I think this was probably around August. I want to say. And he was talking about like this was before the uh, the Usman fight, and you know was saying that he wanted a wanted a statue of himself built outside American Air, uh, American Top Team that he wasn't an import that he was a guy that had been there from the start and been there from Jump Street. So, you know, it's a it's a bummer that that it, that it got to this point, but it's also not surprising. I don't think it's surprising that it got to this point, and I do think that it will make for. Uh, the possibility of a, a Covington versus Masvidal fight, I do think that that opens up the door because now the gyms don't really have to worry about it. Um, there's not like you're not going to have to do cross times. You're not going to have to cross trainers or any of that type of stuff. So it does open up the door for that, and I do think that's another interesting fight for for Masvidal for sure. Uh, I don't know how much he he would be into that fight because you know he's in line for the title. So does he? just want the grudge match the the story's great i almost feel like you know it's probably it probably behooves george to go try and win the belt and then maybe that's one of his defenses because i think that you know colby showed himself well enough in the title fight where he's not far off he's still one of the best welterweights on the planet uh gimmick aside so that's uh that was an interesting one that definitely came out this week for sure as far as his future and where things lie right now uh with american top team I did see this. There was a uh, so Derek Chisora, who is ah, he's kind of a middle of the road heavyweight. Um, had a, had had a, had a decent showing against um, Dillian White before Dillian White had a monster knockout on him. I think that was the last time Derek was in the ring. I'm trying to bring up his record right here because I don't feel like he's fought in a while. Big fella. Um, no, he's had well. He's had a win. He knocked out Arthur Arthur Spielka. He's knocked out David Price. Um, you know, he had a fight where he beat Carlos Takam, who had, who, who should have gone the distance against Anthony Joshua if it wasn't for a, a Bobo ref. But uh, but he's you know his most notable matchups have been a couple of losses to Dillian White. Those are probably his highest profile. He was discussing uh, that he is considering a mixed martial arts fight in July while he awaits for a fight with Alexander Usyk. Um, 
I don't know what that means. I don't know who that's going to end up. Uh, I don't. I don't know who uh, he's going to end up there with. But apparently, he's been training for two and a half years, and so he would want to fight somebody uh, in front of fans. He apparently doesn't want to do it behind closed doors. But uh, but that's a name to, to to look out for. There's also there was um, I believe Sky Boxing was doing a press conference this week with Dillian White and Francis Ngannou. Ngannou's uh, putting. Uh, Ngannou's kind of been in the light recently with uh, the boxing and and a lot of boxers circling around him. Him and Dillian White have been talking about possibly doing a matchup. Um, Dillian comes from a background of kickboxing, so you have that there. Uh, people have asked like, what would Francis Ngannou be in 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 boxing, and it's kind of hard to know. I would say that you're you're really selling some of these heavyweights short if you think he's going to come in there and wreck shop. Um, it's a different game, man. It's a different game, and it's a different game in that the spacing's different, the gloves are a different size. It's uh, you know, I, I just think that you would be really underselling these heavyweight boxes if you thought Francis Ngannou. First of all, Francis Ngannou, it's crazy as it is, like he comes in six four, uh, you know, has to cut to two sixty five. Like he's the biggest thing on the planet as far as heavyweights are concerned. That's not even the size of Anthony Joshua. You know, that's not even the size of Deontay Wilder. That's not even the size of Tyson Fury. So it's not like he is going to be, I think, as intimidating taking on these boxers as he would be in the in the mixed martial arts game. And I also just want to know, like, what is his plan B? That's the thing that does have to be really revealed with with Francis in this in this next going now. He's had an amazing bounce back. I'm not trying to take away credit with where his UFC resume is right now. He definitely should be fighting for a championship next, bar none. Uh, if him and John fight, it should be nothing. For, it should be for an interim title, bar none. I mean, that's definitely where it should be. But, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, he could go out there and he could knock out Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's not that good a boxer. It's like, all right, man. Deontay Wilder went the distance with Tyson Fury, knocked him on his ass in the 12th round. Like, let's not... You know, I know that people aren't high right now on Deontay Wilder, but don't say a guy who's never done it before is going to come in there and and uh, just all of a sudden take it going willy-nilly. Um, it does seem like we're going to get to boxing soon. Uh, I know Top Rank has been uh, following out some dates. They put some dates out for their comebacks. California board uh, allowed boxing for returns uh, coming up soon. So it does feel like we're going to get close to the sweet science coming back, which is great. Um, we did get news this week that Canelo and Triple G has been pushed back even more. Um, and that's a bit of a bummer. I'm curious to know when they are going to allow fans back in. Because if we are talking about in Las Vegas, they're planning to have the Las Vegas Raiders start. And there has been no talk of the NFL doing this thing without fans this year. Once they're allowed to do fans, everyone else is going to follow suit. So I got a hard time believing that. Once those guys are up and running in Las Vegas, you're not going to have Vegas fights that are going to have some fans in there. Maybe not packed to the brim, maybe not what it was, but I think you're going to be selling. You're going to be selling, you know, maybe if it's for a twenty thousand building, maybe you sell half capacity, and the tickets go up for super fights. That's my guess, but I don't think we're going to be. I, I don't think we're going to be this 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 place this year where. Uh, we're waiting the entire time for all this stuff to come back and, you know, no no boxing uh, with no fans because it just doesn't make sense. You can't tell me that once these guys 
uh, once the NFL starts up and and there's fans back, that the other sports are going to be like, hey, excuse us, look, look at me, let's make this happen, huh? Uh, it's just not realistic. It's not realistic to think that they're going to go. They're going to go along with that. So I was a little surprised to see that. You know, boxing. I'm, I I continue to ask. I'm like, when is when is boxing going to have their UFC moment to show we're kind we're we're back and we just don't have that yet. You know, they they are they are just at a spot right now. And it's funny, man, because boxing. That you know, I, I just think that they too they almost like. Um, like the UFC, like these guys, you got an opportunity now to really shine these guys on on the world with nobody else watching. And I know nobody wants to give up big fights, but I just think that if somebody were to step forward with the big fight for these guys, for the fans in this in this time, it's gonna be a monster. It's gonna people look at how many people tune in to watch Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and two old ass quarterbacks golf. I mean I just think that the eyes are there. They're ripe for the taking right now. And more people are going out. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, look, there are people who are going out to the beach, and it's not, it's not what it was or what what it would have been last month to do it. I do think that you, uh, we're starting to open up more as a society, so you do have more competition. But I don't think every. But we're still at the point too where people aren't as comfortable going out and doing it all. There's still not bars. And and uh, and and all that crazy stuff going full bore. So I do think that there's still an opportunity there for you to take advantage of what we're going through right now um, in in the sporting universe. So uh, from my standpoint, it's it's uh, it's a very interesting spot. But uh, but I don't know, man. Top rank is uh, looks like they're probably going to be the first ones back. Uh, the last one who really wanted to go was Skyboxing. That they were the ones that wanted to go out there and and. Um, try and keep it going with everything but that's not that's not the case that's not that's not happening um so i don't know i don't know it's gonna be an interesting one as far as uh we we haven't had any real big breaks this week as far as mike tyson's concerned and his comeback he did show up to aew this week with vitor belfort rashad evans henry cejudo was there that was cool to see uh cool to see triple c in action and Mike Tyson struggled against a shirt to get this thing up against Chris Jericho. He looks great. I mean, Mike Tyson does look absolutely fantastic. Um, and there were a couple of people saying they know what his fight is. I feel like they've been, I think like David Arquette said that he knows who his fight is. And I think Dana White said, I know what it's going to be. It's going to be huge. So I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. I know Shannon Briggs told us that it's him. So that's that. But I don't know. What it's gonna? I know that uh, bare knuckle fighting came out and they upped the offer. They want him to fight Vanderlei Silva. I'm not into that. Um, I'm only into the bare knuckle thing if it was against another boxer. I'm not into it being against Vanderlei Silva. Vanderlei Silva is terrible with the media. Um, just does nothing for me. It's another. It's just like Conor versus Anderson. Just does nothing for me. You know, everybody wants to see. If you're gonna see, I want to see him. I want to see him go two ways with Tyson. Like I want to see Tyson take on somebody who's either uh, a threat, or I want to take him to see somebody who's kind of on his same playing field. Um, that's why I think Shannon just makes so much sense. We've never seen the fight before. Um, Shannon can play the bad guy. It is. Uh, it, it just. It just makes all the sense in the world to do that fight. Um, you know, the Vitor Belfort. He's been hanging around a lot. Do they? Do they go that direction? Again, I just think it does nothing for me. Uh, what do I care if Mike Tyson beats or gets beaten by Vitor? Um, I just don't know what that does for anybody. I don't know what that does for anybody. 
Just it's just I know they've been hanging out a lot. They've been working out a lot. Does that mean that that's going to be the fight and matchup? Eh, perhaps. I mean, look, Vitor has been doing it forever, man. That is the phenom. I just don't know what it brings, to be honest with you, man. I just don't know what that does for anybody. That's the show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Fighters Fury. We'll talk to you guys same time, same place next week. Enjoy the rest of your day.